talking with a guy, whether he's in a relationship or single. Where I have the most success is in getting him to really understand how mediocre the sex he's going for actually is and how much better it actually could be. episode of Dear Men. I am very pleased to welcome back to the podcast, Ken Blackman, um, who is a relationship expert, sexuality expert, long time in the field, um, now working with couples and singles, but primarily couples. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to be talking about hotter sex for couples. So welcome back, Ken. Oh, my pleasure to be here. (laughs) So um, you work with both couples and singles, but we're going to focus on couples today. And I'm wondering if you can just sort of give us an example of two reasons why a couple might come to you for help. Yeah. So the, the bigger arc of the, the journey that people I work with, often they'll even initially come to me for sex mm-hmm. and we'll make big breakthroughs there and they'll see some possibilities for their relationship as a whole. Mm. So there may be bigger work we get into around their relationship and that lasts longer. And then at the end of that journey, when their relationship is fantastic, all of a sudden their attention turns back to how their sex can be even better. Oh, so interesting. often it goes sex, then relationship, then sex. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So what are what would be like a reason that they're coming to you in the first place? Like we want to have better sex, yeah. we want to have more sex. Yeah. There's a few different possibilities. One is um they both know that it's not good and their relationship is good overall. It's not like they're on the brink of breaking up, but they this is a, a thorn in the relationship. Like it's a problem in the relationship that they're not on the same page. Um, another possibility is that, um, you know, there, there hasn't been full, full disclosure or full truth. And, and, you know, maybe like the typical case would be that he thinks it's better than she does. Or she's kind of given up on the possibility that, it, that he's ever going to be better. And so she's kind of resigned to it being, you know, okay to not okay for her and she just thinks oh well that's how it's supposed to be yeah let's let's go here because i'm really interested in this pattern so this couple is in this case let's say are they both aware they're having mediocre sex or what is the like what's showing up as the symptom like they're not having as much sex as they used to like what's the if it's this pattern if if they're talking about it which is Many aren't. Which many aren't. Okay. But if they are, then, um, you know, she's, she's upset that, um, you know, he, he, it, like their, their sex is like, it's easier for him to have sex and come away happy and satisfied than it is for her. And maybe they don't know that how it could be any better. And she doesn't know if it's her, her, if it's physiology, if she just like isn't capable. So that's one possibility. Is the symptom there that he wants more sex 
from her than she wants. Like what is happening yeah. in the cup? So it's, yeah. it's like, he's like, Typically, I wish we were having more sex. And she's like, Ugh. Yeah. Typically this is a super oversimplification, but the most typical cases, she wants it to be better for her. He just wants more of it. Um, and they, each of them thinks that, that, that what the thing that they want isn't possible. So she doesn't think it can be any better than it is. I, I know that it can be, right? Like there's a lot of places where they're, they've, they've come to a place of hopelessness. And so I, they tell me, and just from the, pro, pro, the, the process of talking to me, you know, they go from hopeless to hopeful. Oh, you know, like they told me their worst. And I'm like, yeah, we can... We can totally fix that. We can totally fix that. It can be better than you thought. Yeah. So, so what I'm so, hearing is that they're presenting with, he wants them to be having more sex. Right. And she's a little bit resigned. Like, I don't yeah. really want to be having more sex because it's not very good for me. Right. But she might not be saying that. Right. Okay. What is she and saying? She, so, so she might be saying that. Okay. But if she's not, it's, um, you know, it's just not that important to me. You know, maybe I'm just asexual or I'm just not into it. Or, you know, like work has gotten so hard and, you know, we don't have the time for it. Like all these other reasons, which would shift dramatically if she was having a ton of pleasure. So she doesn't think that's possible. And he doesn't think that it's possible that she could possibly want more. And those things are very intimately related. So if we can have the sex be better for her at a physical pleasure body level, yes, um, then then he also gets what what something that he wants and doesn't think he can have either. So that's that's the key right there. Okay. So there's two very hard things that each of them needs to do. That's that. Um, that is you know, the work. That is the work. For her, there's a, there's a level of truthfulness that has to happen that is not only, um, it, not only is it just difficult to say uncomfortable truths, but, but women in particular are conditioned, like, to say, for a woman to say, I want better sex is, is a very different thing than for a man to say it. Like, there's not a lot of, um, uh, support culturally for women to even be sexual beings. Um, and there's a lot of conditioning that she needs to like give him wins and support his ego and make him feel good. And like, that's how women are conditioned to be. So there's a very difficult barrier for her to start to say, look, you know, I, I've been kind of exaggerating how much I enjoy it. It's going to be hard for him to hear. It's going to be hard for her to say. So that's a very diff difficult thing for him. For her, the difficult thing for him is men's conditioning around what sex is supposed to be like, what it's supposed to look like, and men have no idea how slow they have to go. They have no idea how much attention, like not just hard and fast rubbing like how different her body responds to his how how much attention he's going to put it may be that he needs to be 10 times or 100 times more attentive and so every little step forward he makes he thinks oh well i made this big huge gigantic step and so i have to be the one to say 
It's still not there working. There is a lot further that you need to go. So they both have equally difficult work. And that's actually why I work with mostly couples. Because what has, for me, um, the way that I get them to confront that difficult work is the fact that they have a relationship that's not going to get better unless, you know, like they have investment in the relationship. And they have a sense of how much better it can be. Mm. So uh, if those two things are in, are in place, that's what convinces them to actually go to those difficult places. So, yeah. So let's talk about, like, do you have an example of someone from your, pra- a couple from your practice that let's say this couple is probably married, I'm guessing. Like, yeah. they're probably in a very committed relationship. Yeah. They've been in it for a couple years, yeah. at least maybe five, ten, I don't know. But, like... What, what, um, where do you start with that couple? It sounds like from what you're, what I'm hearing is you start with giving them hope. They come in, they present their problem and you're like, we can do this. Right. This is doable. I've worked with couples like you who have really hot sex now. This is possible for you. Right. So. um, And then what? Yeah. So this was, this was a couple that had been together for like 12 years and, um, she was brought up Catholic. Uh oh! Right away. Right. <laughs> so she red flag. Right. So she. There's a couple things there. First of all, she has condition like the idea that sex could be pleasurable for her um, is foreign. She wasn't like that's that's not only that it's subversive. You're, you're gonna, it's not only foreign. It's subversive. Yeah, you're going to go to hell if you actually enjoy sex. There it is. At the same time, it's her wifely duty. Right. Yes. So she's never really enjoyed it. She's only ever done it as a concession, as a duty, as a duty. Uh, They don't they're not affectionate with each other. They go to parties and their friends are affectionate and they're envious. They're Mm -hmm. jealous. Uh, There's so much that she like so many things that it's just like like it's repulsive. You know, like I don't like the way he touches me, blah, 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 blah. On his side, he um, he wants things to be better. He doesn't know, you know, like he does the best he can. But there's a communication gap because we're not trained to be communicators in relationship. Yeah. We're not trained in how to have a good relationship. So there's communication skills. But then there's just skills in the bedroom. Yeah. So the first thing that happens is they tell me their story. Like they, they don't, they have, they do it less than once a month, maybe once every couple months. Which, for the record, psychologists define a sexless relationship as 10 times or fewer per year. Yeah. So just under once a month. Right. So they're, they're in that territory. They tell me their, their story. Like, there's nothing that they've told me that doesn't, that I think is unfixable. So we go in, and the first thing, the first thing is to give them hope that things can be not just slightly better, but a lot better. And you're not just talking out of your ass. You do this. You're like, right. I've worked with couples. I know that this is doable. Yeah. And beyond that, like most of my clients come for referrals. So if I'm not good at this or if I say I can do something and I can't, I might be, I'm fucked. As a business <laughs> point of view, like I, I have to actually deliver. Yeah. So I have to, if I say this is possible, I have to deliver on that. Like yeah. I have to. Yeah. Um, so um, I... I turn all of their attention on what's going to be pleasurable for her. Yeah. Now, she has never, in this particular way, she's never experienced her body pleasurably 
you know, from the waist down. She just, that is foreign to her. Yeah. So research of what feels good. Like we take sex off the table. They are not going to have sex. For a this while. Is, right. This we are. This is off the table. But uh, your assignment is every single day for five minutes, you're going to explore what feels good. And you're going to go super, 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 super slow because the clitoris is super, 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 super sensitive. So we're just going to I just do- want to highlight that. The clitoris <laughs> is super, 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 super sensitive. Yeah. Okay, continue. Come yeah. On. So um, now there's this... So now, like, there comes a moment when she says, oh, that kind of feels... Good. And are we talking about he's he's like stroking her genitals, or are we talking about like he's stroking her hair? Like what? What it, is it the vary. five minute touch? It can it can vary, but but um, we put her in charge. Okay. So she says, "You can. I want you to touch me from here to here to here." Which I'm imagining for her is already edgy. Yeah. Like saying to her man, "I want you to touch me," like I want you to stroke my hair. Right. That's already edgy. Oh, man, there are so many things they're confronting all at once with, with this. Yeah. So we have to go in small steps. Yeah. So that's the first the first hurdle. Like, can there be a moment where she likes what his touch feels like somewhere on her body? Then the next kind of edge that they have to cross is, you know, like, think of the body as a bullseye where the extremities and, you know, the limbs are kind of the outside and at the center is her genitals. So we move from the outside. Oh, I like in. that. It's a good analogy. So, so her genitals are going to be the, the, the last place, right? Yeah. And so then there comes to be this moment, like the next milestone is, oh, you know what? For five minutes, that can feel pretty good. So now we get into a new set of problems. We've, we, we, we have a new set of problems now. So at this point, she has she can say to her husband, "I would like you to give me a foot rub." Yeah. And he gives her a foot rub, and she says, "I would like the pressure to be a little bit less." That kind of thing. And he does that, and then right. now she's like, "Oh, that feels good." Yeah. Okay. Now they've already confronted, as you've mentioned, that in itself is difficult. Yes. Once things start to feel good. And once there, especially, once there has come to be a moment when she experienced her genitals, her clitoris, her vagina. Some kind of turn on. Some kind of turn on. Something felt good. Fantastic. Celebrate. Wonderful. You know, we're going in the right direction. New set of problems. So then, so the next set of problems is it's starting to feel good. And because of how men work, the primary, this, this could, we could talk about this for a whole hour. So I'm just going to throw something out that is, that is controversial and your audience will have to take it until we get to the next, the next uh, time to talk. Do it. So the primary thing, believe it or not, the primary thing men are hungry for in sex is connection. That's the primary thing they're actually hungry for because his machinery isn't that hard to operate. So once they together have this experience where she experienced genuine pleasure, not, not fabricated, not fabricated, not putting on a show for him, 
None of those Not doing things. it out of duty. Can you win? That feels good. First of all, she's thrilled. But second of all, he feels something that is so different from anything he feels. Like now his lower chakras are lighting up. Now he's getting turned on. So now it becomes a problem like, oh, I'm feeling something. Now I just want to have sex. Pounce. Right. Yeah. So now we're in territory where his patience needs to come into play. And I have to be the one who says, or, you know, like, I don't want to make it sound like you need to, you need to have a coach. But in this situation, um, it helps. If, if there's a coach who can say, I, I don't care what's going on between the two of you. I don't care if she wants to pounce you. You are not allowed to have sex. So that he gets a sense of how much wanting, how much pleasure she is capable of before she's a yes, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So instead of the instant she feels an ounce, like I want them to get into territory where there's longing and yearning and she gets to experience, wow. On her side. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I really, you know, I, I want I really this. want him to and, fuck me. Right. Yeah. And our coach told us we can't. Uh-huh. Right? So now we're playing a completely different game, right? She's experiencing pleasure. She gets to experience wanting. And he gets to experience this nutrient that he didn't know he wanted. And have it be that he gets some time to experience that that is separate from what's happening with his crotch, with his penis. So can you explain what you mean by that nutrient? Yeah. So I'm going to give this example um, we there's this idea that men want sex and women want love. I this is a thing I talk about on most times that I talk talk about anything mm-hmm. with anybody because it's so pervasive. Uh, it's so uh, revealing. So men want sex, women want love. That's the idea that we all have. But think about this. So if if we turn to technology. When, when people turn to technology to kind of supplement or substitute for what's for a partner, the technology that for women... For a sexual partner. Right. Yeah. The technology that women turn to more, most often is a vibrator. The technology that men turn to most often is porn. Now, that's not like universal, but that's like the, the vibrator industry is mostly, you know, being driven by women. So what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that there must be a a physical component that is very, 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 very important for women. Now, men in porn, this is deeply misunderstood. So let me be clear about this. Um, What's happening when men turn to porn? So for women, what we've said is, oh, like proper clitoral stimulation is obviously important. They will pay for it. For men turning to porn, it's another human being in a state of, like, arousal. Other human beings having this, this experience that he gets to share in. So when, when men don't have a partner, they'll do porn. If they get a toy, it's going to be a doll, like a simulation of another human being, right? Uh, if they hire a sex worker, right? What men are hungry for is this kind of shared experience, someone else to share an experience with or someone else's experience to share it with because the physicality of it is the part that comes easy to them. Mm. 
So when she's enjoying himself, when he's in physical contact with a woman who's in... When she's enjoying herself. Herself, sorry. When she's enjoying herself. When he's in physical contact with a woman who's actually aroused, actually her body is lit up, you know, if she is in a state of orgasm or having an orgasm, all of a sudden, separate from from physical stimulation of, of his penis, separate from that, if we can take his body out of the equation and just have him fully experience what it's like to be connected with this, this other human being while she's like in this state of arousal, he gets to recognize it as a thing he's been hungry for unto itself. So that's the nutrient. That's the nutrient. Okay. okay. So now there's this separation. You're, I say, have to say to him, your body is not the difficult thing. Like she's not going to have trouble getting you off. I want both of you to experience this thing, right? Of her being in her pleasure. Right. Okay. And, and him co-experiencing that. So the next part of this is um, how much intensity can both of them experience before they lose their head, you know, jump on each other and just like boff like bunnies, <laughs> right? <laughs> This should be the title of the episode. Buff like bunnies. Right. So now we can get into some amazing territory with them, right? So long story short, like there's a lot of other steps. These Mm -hmm. are the basics. Sure. But from this place where they weren't touching each other, neither of them were happy. They were, they were by, by, by the clinical definition of sexist marriage. Yes. Um, she was, was not enjoying it. By the time we've gone through this process... You moved the needle. I moved the needle. Yeah. And now they are the couple at that party that other couples look at and say, wow, I can feel that they're like, there's physicality between them. They like touching each other. And I'm curious in terms of what you've seen from the couples you've worked with about like, how long are we t- talking to get to this point? Like a couple months? Um, I'm sure it varies, maybe, maybe three months, okay. maybe nine months. Typically faster than than people might think. Remember when I said sex, then relationship, then sex? Yeah. So often we'll do three months where we're focusing on sex. By that time, issues in the relationship are starting to show up. Like, they've always been there, but now they are the, 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 the dynamics between them, the communication between them, the level of intimacy between them is the thing that is in the way of them going forward. Yeah. So now we can do a whole bunch of relationship work, right? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm curious about this because we uh, we have heard in the past that hidden resentments are a big block to sexuality, sex within the couple. And I'm wondering, like, you know, when I imagine being the woman in this scenario, it's very edgy for me to say to my man, I want you to give me a foot rub because I'm expecting him to say, fuck you. I'm not going to give you a fucking foot rub. You like cunt, like not really that. I think he would say that, but my fear is like, you're demanding something of me. Go fuck yourself. Like no fucking way. So it's fucking scary for me to say, I want you to give me a foot rub. If I imagine like, I want you to give me a foot rub. And he says, sure. Okay, now it's changing my my like it's fucking with my head around like what's possible. Yep. And if I imagine doing that over time and I keep getting a safe response from him, I would feel safer than talking about other stuff in the relationship 
where I haven't been speaking up. Right. Like I want, you know, I want us to connect before we go to sleep instead of you being on your phone. Yeah. Like that would have been so scary for me to say before, but now I'm kind of like, Oh, maybe it's safe for me to speak up. Yeah. Is that a pattern you see? Totally. And you know, it, it may, there may be some truth in what, in her fear. Like it may be that we do have a, have to have a conversation with him to say your, uh, so I'm going to use really chargy language here. Do it. This is not how I would talk to the couple themselves, but he's spoiled, right? It's been oriented towards him. So I have to have a, a an honest come to Jesus conversation with him to say, you're going to have to up your game with this woman 10 times more than what you think because these token gestures are not enough. So... I simultaneously can promise you how much better it's going to be and uh, how much more you're going to have to invest in order to have it be what's the potential here. Yeah. So, so yeah, it is often the case that, that she's right. Like he, he is going to, she is going to get pushed back. He is going to get defensive. Yeah. Can you talk about how you work with couples around that? Cause this is terrifying for me personally. And a lot of women I know is the man getting defensive and I have experienced men getting defensive frequently. Yeah. So whether when I'm working with a guy, whether he's in a relationship or single, where I have the most success is in getting him to really understand how mediocre the sex he's going for actually is and how much better it actually could be. When I, if I've connected with him and kind of like said stuff about him that he recognizes, oh, that's true. Like the whole thing about how important, oh, connection, you know, like those little nuggets where he sees something about himself or I say something about her that he sees is true. I've like earned his, his trust. Um, What I, the next thing I can say is, it is entirely possible that the kind of sex you could be having, it is entirely possible that the kind of relationship, the kind of intimacy you could be having, her level of, of wanting to connect with you on those levels on a regular basis, and that it's amazing, like as a regular part of your life. He, he has to want, I have to, I have to paint a picture that he wants enough to, to do the work that he's going to need to do mm-hmm. to get into that territory. Okay. So it's sort of like there is a land of milk and honey. Yes. And very, very hot sex yeah. and connected sex yeah. where you feel filled up and nourished and excited and satisfied and you get it enough. Like yeah. you are nourished. It's not less than once a month. It's like a couple times a week and it's way better than anything you've had. There is a land of milk and honey. Right. And I know you've been living with this woman for 12 years and you don't see that's possible. But what I see, you know, what I see is, is how much she would want it if it were good for her. Right. So, so we're going to, we are going to do like her body is what's going to determine her body is always, 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 always right. We are like, I have to get her to stop judging how her body responds, right? All the ways in which she thinks her body should be responding differently. Than Meaning should be. I should be able to come from him finger banging me. Right. Right. All the ways she has self judgment 
We need to get all the way out, get all that out of the way and say, your body by definition is doing the right thing. It's responding the right way. And we, the three of us, are going to figure out what actually your body likes. And that is right. Because we can get into territory that's going to be amazing if we listen to your body and, and none of us, none of the three of us, judge it as anything other than exactly right. Love that. So back to the defensiveness. So now we've gotten the couple to the place where he believes there is a land of milk and honey. He is motivated to get to the land of milk and honey. And she asks him for something. I would love for you to touch my, like, leg lighter than you're doing. Like, it's kind of numbing me out. He gets defensive. Yep. How do you work with that? On a case-by-case basis. Like, um, both of them are going to have stuff coming up. I mean, we're getting into very emotionally charged territory. So there's a lot of stuff that's going to come up along the way. And on a weekly basis, I give them something to do. They go in. All kinds of stuff happens, you know, maybe explosions, maybe amazing, wonderful things happen. And then we talk about what happened and we, we debug it from there. And little by little by little, they, they're using this playground. See, this is interesting. I was asked recently because I'm teaching a, a, a 14-week course where we're going to get all the emotional reasons, all the physical reasons, everything um, for why their sex isn't good. We get that list. Then the first thing I do is deal with the physical, like does he, do they know how to physically pleasure each other? And I was asked, why do you start there? Why don't you start with all the emotional things? Like she, she's turned off to him because of this, emo, this dynamic they had. Like, why are, why, why are you moving directly to the physical first? And the answer is, I want, first of all, I want them to have the skills. I, like, I want them to have the skills. And secondly, I want her to believe that pleasure can be there. Mm-hmm. And third, yeah. when they do get into an argument, when they do get into emotionally charged topics, if I can get them to do it the way the bonobos do it, where... You know, bonobos use sex to get to resolution. So if I say, "Great, we're gonna we're gonna work through this argument," but by golly, you're gonna do it with you're both gonna be have have happy bodies first, have happy bodies first, then we'll get into the resolution of this argument. So I give them the skills to at least be able to physically pleasure each other, like make sure that that's in place, so that that's not a barrier. Uh, then we use that to help solve the issues, right? Like, I'm mad at you, but I'm not going to hold out and not physically touch you because I know if we're physically in contact with each other, the argument is going to go better. Mm. So can you put your hand on her arm while you're in this state of disagreement? Can you put your, your hand on his leg while you're in this state of disagreement? Because physical contact calms the body, physical contact, you know, gets endorphins going, um, gets the oxytocin going. So it puts them in a state that's more conducive to actually dealing with the actual issue. Interesting. Yeah. That, that feels really edgy because I know like I, I have not had a lot of arguments honestly with past partners because mostly I avoid, (laughs) like, I don't want to trigger him. So I just don't talk about it. Yeah. Not, not a good pattern working on it. Um, but if I imagine it actually being activated, I don't want to open to my partner in that moment. Right. Like I'm activated. I'm right. pissed. I feel angry or 
hurt. So like, that's actually really edgy what you're talking about. Yeah, like, in, you know what I mean? Like that's advanced <laughs> level shit. Like that's not like, yeah. you know, yeah. um, that's the thing is, um, we're going to get into territory that they do not like now we're in a place where we can talk about some of the absolute deal breakers. Like this is the stuff in the basement. This is the landmines that they've learned to walk around for 12 years, for 12 years, because every time they even get close to going there, um, there's the emotional charge is out of their range. They're all of a sudden red sirens are going off and they're in a state of reactivity that they can't. Right. So if I'm going to, first of all, if their relationship is going to be long term life partnership. Over a long enough time scale, every single one of those deal breaker issues has to be resolved. Yes. That means every single one of them, you have to go in, you have to get to the depths of the worst of it, and then you have to have the experience of getting all the way to the other side to resolution. That's where I can be super helpful because I can be there as the, I want to say referee, but really I give them a lot of leeway, but I set very clear rails. Like I, I don't, I'm not going to tell them, and this is where I differ from a lot of people. I'm not going to tell them not to get angry. I am going to call them when they start to be mean or vindictive or, you know, like literally mean to each other or yeah. So there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference between being angry, even ragefully angry and being hurtful. Those are different. And if you can tell the difference, then you can be angry. So the difference is like, you fucking asshole. I can't believe you didn't come with me to my mom's this weekend. Versus like, I'm so hurt. I'm so hurt. Right. Okay. Yeah. Or even like doing, you know, like uh, extracting retribution. No, that is, that will end the relationship. If you're pissed off and you do something that you know, like you just start saying mean stuff to piss off your partner, that will wreck the relationship. So to actually be angry, admit that you're angry, admit that underneath that is hurt or fear, right? I'm, I'm angry as a defense mechanism because I'm actually, I'm scared, I'm terrified, right? All of those things, right? So I'm with them as they get into that territory. So at least once they can see what it's like when they get to one of these like unresolvable deal breaker issues. Can you think of an example, let's say maybe from the woman who's Catholic, that couple? You know, they didn't, they didn't get into arguing, but let's say hypothetically, um, okay, so here's an example. So I I don't want to tell an exact story because Sure, sure. You can make, maybe make an amalgam. Yeah. So, um, like she would, she made a vow that she would never, like the one rule that she has is she would never be a man who does X, Y, and Z. She would never be a man? Be, be with oh, a man. Oh, be with a man. Okay. Be with a man who, who is like X, Y, Z quality. Like resentful or? Like. Like. Um, here's a pretty common example. Like um, sobriety is super important to her because she had an abusive childhood where there was a lot of like drug abuse and, and physical abuse. And he is, he's using CBD. 
So this is now let's say six years into the relationship. Right. He's starting to use CBD. Okay. Yeah. And, and for, for therapeutic reasons. Right. So, so. And they've been tiptoeing around this issue. Like right. nobody wants to, to go there. Right. Okay. So that kind of thing where it, it looks unresolvable. Right. And I don't know what the resolution is either. I'm not going to go in and say, I know what the answer is. What I will say is, if we go all the way in, an answer will appear. So I go in with as much vulnerability and as much not knowing and as much openness as I'm asking them to. Mm -hmm. And the three of us go into it, and what I do know is that we will get to a resolution. And so they get to experience what it's like to be scared that they're not going to get to the other side. And then they get one round of getting all the way to resolution on something. Now they have hope that this is something that they can actually do. So, for example, in that example, what you're going to do is drill down with both of them and, and sort of, like, to the woman, like, what are you really afraid of? Yeah. Like, I'm afraid you're going to turn into my dad. Right. I'm, af- I'm terrified that I'm going to be small and you're going to start hitting me and I'm not going to know what to do and I'm going to freeze right. or whatever. And he says, I'm terrified that... I'm never going to be free, that I'm going to have to give up all the things that I love to appease you. And then I'm going to resent you. Totally. Okay. Right. So, so they both share their fears, their actual fears yeah. and they hear each other right? and they hold each other right? and, and they so, reassure each other or right. what is the getting to the other side? Look, right. Look so, like. so, it, so now we can tie this back to the thing that we were saying before, which is so what, what needs to happen is that as you get into that territory, um, that you are committed to staying connected to each other. And one concrete way to do that is to stay physically in contact with each other while you're talking about it. Um, and if, they, if previously we've had some experiences where they've gotten to a place where physical contact actually feels good, like that is a thing that they turn to because it, both of them really, it feels good. So now we can, this is going to be a weird way to say it, but we can put their brain into cognitive dissonance Mm -hmm. where they're confronting the the worst emotional things with this other uh, channel communicating that that they're connected to each other. I'm still here. I'm still here. I still care. Right. I'm I'm hurt. I'm angry. I'm scared. uh, Or I'm jealous, right? I'm, I'm, I'm lividly jealous or whatever it is. And also, while we go into this, I'm not going to withhold. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm I'm having thoughts that of running away, but I'm not running away. I'm having thoughts that this is never going to work, and I'm fucking out of here. But I'm not going away. Like I'm going to stick in it with it. And so, staying in that state of connection until they get to whatever the rel- the resolution is. And usually they find what the actual resolution is, mm. not me. Yeah. And so that, you know, then, then it, after they've done a few rounds of that whole process, then hopefully they graduate from even needing me. They know how to do right, it. Right. Because at that point, their bond has strengthened tremendously. tremendously. I mean, we're talking 100x right. from when they first came and saw you. Right. Because this, what we're talking about right now, and it's interesting, we started with sex and we moved to relationship, just yeah. like you said. What we're talking about is relationship. Like, this is this is real relationship. What we're talking about is 
there's something hard. We haven't been talking about it. We talk about it and stay in connection. We talk about the real thing underneath, which is I'm fucking terrified. It's always I'm terrified or I'm ashamed or I'm angry. Like it's always that. I don't care what it's about, whether it's CBD or it's about the garage. It's always about that. And we've stuck through it, like you said, to the end. So we've learned that we're not going to die. Right. Like we're not going to die. We're going to, we can have a disagreement or conflict and we can get to their side and we're not going to die. Exactly. And this thing that has been in the background since the beginning is gone. And all of a sudden they have a new experience where it's like to have something that's ambiently there all the time so much that you've learned to ignore it. Like you, you have a decent relationship and there's this huge thing that you've learned to ignore when that thing is, has finally been like permanently resolved and it's out of the way, then it brings to your conscious attention how impactful it was in, in its absence. Like we are so much closer. We are like so many things have moved out of the way as a result of this. All of a sudden, the thing that we have is a thousand times more valuable. The relationship. The, the relationship. And so what happens is the relationship becomes this progressively more and more and more valuable thing to them. Um, their love life, believe it or not, like your love life, your sex life can continue to get better year after year after year and become more valuable, right? Like so the, you, you start to lose any sense of grass is greener. If that doesn't grow as the relationship progresses, it, it disappears because there's nothing out there that's as bomb as what you got at home. Yeah. Like what you got at home is the bomb, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so your your sex life becomes that thing that you've invested so much in and is so valuable and precious to you that you know that you're it's your cherished thing. Right? Yeah. Okay, so I want to go back. So this was one example with the the twelve year couple and Catholicism, but let's talk about the couple where like the sex was really hot at the beginning. Now they're three or four years in, and she never really told the truth, right? I've been in this circumstance several times where like he thinks that our sex is great, and for me, our sex is good. It's okay. It's fine. But I imagine that if I had stuck in those relationships for a couple years. By a couple years in, I'd be like, it's not actually that good. I don't really think it's going to get better because like you said, like I haven't really spoken up. So, you know, the example that I give is like, I was with this man and, um, he was much too rough with his fingers, which is extremely common in my experience. Men are very, very hard on the clit and it hurts. And I, so I said like, oh, I would love if you touch me lighter. You know, I feel more like when it's too heavy, it numbs me out. He adjusted for two minutes and then went back to the way he'd always done it. The next time I said lighter, 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 he adjusted for about 60 seconds and then went back to the way he was always doing it. And I gave up and I never said, ow, that hurts. I need this to be different because I was terrified of him getting defensive. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about this couple. So this couple's three or four years in, she's not had the pleasurable sex that she, let's say has experienced with other partners and he thinks everything's okay. Right. These, this couple also comes in presenting with like, I don't know, it was hot at the beginning and now we just don't have it that much. And he's like, I wish we had it more. And she's like, right. And my guess is you tell me, but my guess is, 
having given up on being able to get him to do what she wants. Uh, she's turned her attention to convincing herself that it doesn't matter that much and that the relationship, it's, it's okay. But that is not going to be sustainable. Like, it's going to reach a point where, no, it's not okay. It's no longer acceptable, right? Yeah. In my case, I left. Right. And I, according to my research, and I've done a lot of it, many, 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 many women just leave yep. rather than confront this because it's so scary right. to say, I want this sex to be better because he has no idea. Like I've never spoken up in, in a, a direct way. So it's like, I know it's going to be a surprise to him. I know he's going to be like, why the hell didn't you tell me this? Like, I don't know. Like it's so big. That feels so big. Yeah. Added to which is that I have had pleasurable sex, right. very, very pleasurable sex. And I feel fortunate that I have in other relationships. Yeah. So instead of working on this with him, I leave. Right. Cause I'm like, let me just go find a man who, find it can do it instead of investing in this. Yep. So, uh, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the couple where you, which is what you said, which is she has now turned her attention to like, Oh, well it's not that big a deal. Right. So many other parts of our relationship yeah. are good. We have a great home life. Like we're committed parents, whatever, whatever. It's not that big a deal right. that our sex life isn't very good for me. Yeah. Well, the ace in the hole that I have is that they have come to me. That, that tells me, like, they, at that point, they have both admitted that there's, that there is a problem. They've admitted to themselves, to each other, and then to me, by coming to me, they've admitted two things. First of all, that there is a problem. Second of all, that the relationship is sufficiently important in, to, to them to want to do something about it. Right. That there's something that, where I start with this couple is what, tell me what's good about the relationship. So that I have a sense of why it's worth it. Like before we get into what's bad and what needs to be resolved, I need to have a very strong sense of what's good about the relationship because I'm going to make use of that when they get into the, the difficult territory. I need to have a sense. I'm the holder of, of their best sense of what, what's so good about this relationship so that I can remind them what when they're thinking this isn't worth it i'm just out of here i need to remind them what they're walking away from yeah so she says um he's kind mm -hmm. he's consistently kind to me he's a great dad um we have a, we laugh we have great sense of humor like we both match on that front he's smart i can talk to him about things at work i feel heard yeah. he says you know, she's an incredible mom. I really love how she remembers things. Like she just takes care of the household in this way that I respect the hell out of. I feel met intellectually, whatever. So they have this conversation now. Right. Okay. So all of those are fantastic and probably we'll spend an hour and I'll get 10, 10, 10 layers deeper about what the real nature of their connection is. Yeah. Like the deeper layer of like two luminous beings who have an umbilical bond that's going to be really fucked if they walk away from it. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. So now I have that. So now we can start to talk about... It kind of reminds me of Dungeons & Dragons. Like, now you have these, like, really important cards. Right. They're like, yeah. I can play later. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. It's just like that. And, yeah. Because I, I need that as a tool that I can use in service of where they're headed. Because mm -hmm. we're going to get into some difficult territory. So it's interesting... In the, in the situation you described, both of them give up about 10% of the way. He gives up after giving you 10% of the, 
of what you asked for, and then he gives up and goes back to what he knows. Okay. So he's going to have to go 10 times beyond or 100 times beyond that, and actually to get into the exquisite precision he needs to produce pleasurable sensation in your body. Yes. She gives up 10% along the way of the number of times. 90%. She gives up 90%. 90%. Okay. Um, well, yeah, 10 per, like she does 10% and then gives up relative to what she's going to have to do to be, um, the level of the depth of honesty and the, the tenacity of honesty that he requires in order for him to stay and really, really get, because he's going to have to hear it 10 times. He's going to have to hear it 50 times. And she's going to have to be willing to say it fresh as if it's the first time every single time. Right. Because what you're talking about is when I told that man, I need you to touch me lighter, I needed him to touch me a hundred times lighter. Like you said, he touched me lighter for a little while and then went back. And what you're saying is if I were working with you or we were working on this, I would need to say lighter, lighter, lighter until he was actually touching me as lightly as I needed, which would be way more than he thought. And then I need to keep doing that over time, which is scary because every time I do it, I'm afraid of him criticizing me or him feeling criticized and shutting down. And, and like you said, sometimes it's like, yeah, he's going to be like, fuck, like, like I'm doing it. Aren't I doing it? Like, I feel like I'm doing it. And you're like, it still hurts. Like my clitoris is so much more sensitive than you understand. Like it still hurts. It still hurts. It still hurts. And that seems like kind of, I don't know, like scary yeah so what you're describing is all the barbed wire between you and the garden oh the land of milk and honey right yeah so so if like they're they let's say they don't trust each other or they get triggered by each other but they might be able to hear it from me so I speak, I speak what she needs to hear. I speak what she needs to hear from him. And I speak what he needs to hear from her. So you say to the man, she needs it a hundred times later. And, and consistently. So let's say we do the work, we get past all the thrash and all the, the, the battle and every, all the friction that, that gets, that is in the way of them getting to that place. Then he's touching her in a way and it feels really good. And she feels it. And he feels it, right? All of a sudden, it feels good to her, and she makes a point of being as ex- like expressive, not faking it, not exaggerating it, but it genuinely feels good. So she's going to make sure he understands. That feels amazing. And not only from her words, but he can tell. Like, man, men can f- tell. They can feel it. They've just never experienced it before, so they have no no landmark because before you know and I would I was guilty of this in this relationship I'm talking about I was kind of faking it right and I'm not talking about faking orgasms I'm talking about he would be fingering me and I would be pretending like it was okay not even like moaning pleasurably but just like basically I was grinning and bearing it but he didn't know that like he thought it was working so he has the wrong map of what has been happening for years and I'm curious like do men feel betrayed? Are they like, how could you not have told me this for so long? Like, do you ever deal with that or not? There may, there may be that, and there may be that to deal with. But the thing is, uh, what what's true about men is that they can actually feel the difference between the real thing and the fake thing. They can tell the difference. 
So if I can get them a few minutes of feeling this real thing, first of all, of course, she's super happy because she didn't think that she would ever experience that with this guy. And he's shocked that he felt something that was so far beyond all of the all of the performances that she's like, there's this real thing, right? Like he tasted the real thing. And all of a sudden they have a landmark. And I, I, I've, in, in your years and I conversations before, I, I've said, like, if I can get a guy to feel the real thing with her, he's basically ino- inoculated against being able to even put up with the fake stuff again. Like all of a sudden he's dedicated, he's obsessed with getting her body into that state again because of how pleasurable how pleasurable it is for for him. Yeah. Now there's this thing that um you know when we're talking about this and you know guys will say oh I'm super generous like I, I all I want to do is pleasure her blah 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 and she's like oh you know either he's he's lying or there's going to be some some cost like it's scary for me to even receive his pleasure because there's going to be some price tag attached to it. But the truth is there's, there's actually a grain of truth. If I can get them into the state where he's pleasuring her, all of a sudden they're both getting something from that alone that he didn't realize he was hungry for and she didn't realize that she was ever going to get. So before we turn his, their attention to all the ways that he, she can pleasure him, like, you know, all the ways that she already knows, like, it's not that hard for her to pleasure him. That is not the, the problem area. But before we get into that territory, just both of you sit with what it feels like to both of you when he is producing intensely pleasurable sensation in her body. Just feel that. Mm. And uh, all of a sudden, he's inoculated from any, like, he's he is highly motivated to be a, a great lover and to learn whatever he can to get her into that state because of how good it feels to him. This is really great because it sort of points to the virtuous cycle of yeah. like you get a little bit and then there's this exponential curve of like he's tasted the land of milk and honey and then he's like, let's get all this barbed wire out of the way. Like that was great. Like yeah. this is where I want to live. Yeah. Yeah. Like, whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. That is cool. And I, and I just want to like, Again, highlight, like, I think this is very, very common. This, like, the sex has never been what she really craves and wants and desires. And it's where she's really lit up. But it's been good enough that she hasn't ever really told him. And he's never really asked. Yeah. And and this is how it's been for for years. Yeah. If they've been... if. If they've been eating fast food and they've never tasted anything other than fast food, and by that I mean two things. One is they've never tasted really delicious, delicious, delicious food, but they've also never seen what their body feels like when they eat super high chi, locally sourced, fresh, healthy food. Yeah. So all of a sudden there's two things. One, it feels amazing. And number two, there's I speak of it as a nutrient, a nutrient that is actually going to have the relationship as a whole start to feel better. Like they're going to be more lit up around each other. Like all of the promise of what a relationship can be, all of the promise of what, what is possible between them. Like there's this is some, the land of milk and honey. Right. Right. So, so they get to see what their relationship is like when they're having good sex, their whole relationship changes, their dynamic changes. They're happier. Right. They're happier. They're more connected. 
it feels smoother. It's more electrifying. There's more. And, and if physiologically people's bodies change, their brains change, it's really, 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 really good for you to have good sex. Right. Exactly. And I can say to him, like all, all this ambient anger that you're putting up with all the time, all this, like she'll take like little petty jabs at you all the time. You know, first of all, um, I, I congratulate you on how much of her, her subtle anger you've been putting up with all this time. You've been valiant. Okay, great. But learn to take care of her body, not just bring home flowers, learn how to pleasure her body. Cause you are going to, you are going to be amazed at what it feels like to have a happy woman on your hands. It's a different experience. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. We're going to, we're going to start to wrap, but that's such a great one to wrap on because yeah. I think that's such a common experience for men. Like I wish my woman was just less resentful, like less, like you said, ambiently angrily. It feels like I can never do anything right. It feels like nothing I do works. Like it feels like there's always something I've done wrong and I'm in the doghouse all the time. And rather than sort of embarrassing that directly, it's like, learn to pleasure her body and fill her up and you will be incredibly filled up too, not just sexually, but also this other ambient noise will go away. It kind of reminds me of like when you have like a really awful hum from your refrigerator mm-hmm. and, you, and you just sort of learn to tolerate it. Mm-hmm. And then one day it gets fixed and you're like, Whoa, this is it. Listen to this house. It's so beautiful. Like yeah, It's just exactly. like so much bandwidth and energy you get back when that's resolved. Yep. All right. So if you were going to leave our, Oh, actually we should probably just, um, if people want to work with you, where do they find you? Uh, literally email me at Ken at KenBlackman.com. Just send me a question, shoot me what's been happening in your relationship. Just get the conversation going and we'll see where it goes. Cool. And, um, if you were going to leave our male listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? So it can be a thousand times better than anything you've ever experienced. Like no matter how good the sex you think you've had, it can be a hundred times better. And it's going to look very, very different from what you think it looks like. So be ready to throw out everything you think you know about what great sex is in order to get into territory that's that's better than you've ever been in before. The land of milk and honey. Yes. Hey guys, this is Mel. And this is Jason. You've probably heard me on at least a few episodes by now. And we coach together in part because we know that it's when the masculine and the feminine come together that we are the most powerful. So we wanted to let you know about a free training that we put together for you guys. It's about how to take back control of your love life. We are absolutely inspired to help guys like you take all of the amazing ideas that Mel has introduced to you on this podcast and actually put them into practice, bring them into your life to create lasting change. So if you're interested in that, just go to evolutionary.men slash training to sign up. If you've been looking for a way to go a little bit deeper than just this podcast, this is the opportunity for you. Again, that's evolutionary.men slash training, and you're going to get a much deeper dive with Mel and I.